Welcome to episode 17 of the Beacons of Bravery podcast. My guest today is so inspirational. Her name is Larnie Mulvey, but I would like to give a tribute to how it actually should be pronounced, La Arnie Mulvey. You'll hear about that in the episode. But anyway, she is an, a women's strength advocate, an author, a speaker, a power lifter, and she's the founder of the Global Standing and Strength Movement. She's worked in the sports industry for 15 years and it allowed her to become familiar with sports and athletes. So that led to her transition from athletic training into author and speaker, particularly when the COVID virus happened and she lost her job. You'll hear about all that and more in this episode. She is just a wealth of inspiration and you will not want to miss it. Tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Norman, former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast, to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams to shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams. Welcome to the podcast, Larnie Mulvey. How are you today? I am great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. And I am doing really good as well. Where are you calling in from today? Where are I'm you calling... I'm calling in from the Chicagoland, one of the suburbs from Chicago. It's really? Plainfield, Illinois. Um, so it's it's maybe an hour hmm, west from southwest of Chicago proper. So it's today is March 11th, I believe, 2021. So I'm assuming it's very cold there. You know what? I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I have this hoodie on and I want to take it off because it's like 40 <laughs> degrees outside. 40 and I am <laughs> like, we're flip flops. <laughs> well, I am in Louisiana, so wow. it's quite different. It's about 75 today, but two weeks ago it was zero and we're, we were not prepared for that, but uh, <laughs> you probably saw on the news, like Texas freezing, same yeah. thing. Louisiana and all that so oh oh yeah and and here I am I'm like 40 degrees this is great (laughs) (laughs) I know well as a way of kind of breaking the ice I like to ask fun questions and the one I'm going to ask today is where are you in the birth order of your siblings or are you an only child and if so any of that do you think it's had an effect on you so I am the baby Mm mm-hmm um, and my sister and I, it's just me and my sister Okay. and we are three years apart and <laughs> my sister could probably say that me being the baby is, it, it makes a big deal. And not because I was spoiled or anything. It's because I got all the hand-me-downs because I got, I had to make do with what was given to me as the second child. And I, I, I was so rebellious. Really? I was the rebel child. (laughs) And so, um, you know, my sister, I I love her to death and she is, she's got the, um, um, 
she doesn't she doesn't talk very loud she doesn't like to sweat she doesn't like you know she doesn't like fitness and here I am I'm doing like obstacle course races <laughs> and and now I'm a power uh, like I, I compete in powerlifting and doing all this stuff where I'm in the in, you know like in faces of people that I don't know and she's like no 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 it's okay I I, and I think being the second child being like I, I want to be friends with my sister when I was younger and she wouldn't let me be her friend. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, we went through that phase where can I just have my space? And I'm just like, let me, I want to love you. Come on. I want to be your friend. <laughs> and I think that really, um, really like gave me a little bit of a base of wanting to be out in the open and talking to people and stuff because yeah. I was trying to connect with my sister and she wouldn't <laughs> let me, but, <laughs> but now we're like extremely close. But like, I think, um, growing up, that was that was something that was always in me. Like, I I wanted to be with her, but she wouldn't let me, and so I just kind of like started talking to everybody else. Yeah, like, my sister will say I can talk to anyone in the elevator, and I think that's true. <laughs> so you're like a definite extrovert, huh? Yes, and she yeah. would be more introverted. Yes, and mm-hmm. I don't know why how that happened, but um, I think it's because I I have a very curious nature, mm-hmm. and I'm very. Um, <laughs> free spirited, <laughs> free spirited in a sense where I'm like, okay, I wonder what it'd be like if I tried that and then I'll try it. And I'm like, nah, it's okay. But sometimes, you know, I try it and I love it. Yeah. So, you know, it's really part of that curiosity part of me. And I think that comes from being the second child. So that was my dog getting in on the action there too. <laughs> I apologize. But I wanted to ask you, what do you do for a living currently? If somebody says, what do you do? How do you answer it? So if you had asked me that a year ago, you know, like right when COVID started, Mm -hmm. I would have told you I am an athlete. I'm a certified athletic trainer by education. Okay. So I work in sports medicine. Um, I've worked in ergonomics and now with COVID and with losing my job, I had to pivot myself and pivot to decide like what I wanted to do. It almost like the, the losing my job and losing offers because like I would apply for a job and then they say, yeah, you know, we're hiring you. And then two days before I started they're they're like, you know what, with COVID, we don't know what ha- what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So your contract that you're going to work, we don't have it. Mm. Sorry, but we'll keep you in mind if, if it opens back up. Yeah. Okay, cool. Another opportunity came, had the job ready to go. I, I emailed, it's like, what's going on with COVID? What's, you know, and they call me like the Friday before I start on the Monday. And they're like, I know you've been asking, but we lost that contract. So when I got those two, um, pretty much those, I don't even want to say it's a denial. It was more like, you know, change, change in mind. Mm -hmm. I had to, I, I, I had a choice. Either I had to dwell about it and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or take it as a sign that says, Larnie, you need to figure out what you want to do. Because um, it got to the point where it was like very, um, was very reliant on that paycheck. Right. Really, you know, we get comfortable every two weeks, we get that paycheck. Okay, we know it's coming. And then poof, it's gone. And especially if it's no fault of your own. Mm. Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do? And 
now I can call myself an entrepreneur. I'm a nice. businesswoman. Um, I'm a CEO and founder of Strong and Mighty Company. I am, I am a women's strength advocate. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. It, you know, it's like I, I have learned so much about myself within this past year. And I am living the happiest life that I've ever lived in my 40 four years of life. I didn't think about that. Like, <laughs> one of those. But like, really like that whole year, this whole year, it's changed my life for the better. And it's because uh, I chose to change it. And I chose to start building the life that I wanted, that I've mm-hmm. always wanted. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had found a journal that I wrote in like it's 2011 or 2013 or something like that. And number one was I wanted to own my own business. Wow. And Boom, 2021. And without <laughs> COVID and the forced change in direction, how long would it have been before you did that? Because it is easy. Paycheck to paycheck yes. is easy. So it's like a blessing. I mean, do you think you yeah. would have done it without the kind of forced nope. nature of it? Nope. I think I would have, my mindset is to give my time to work so they could pay me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, you know, that's the mentality that normal money mindset is, you know, like there's not many of us who want to open a business because we don't know how we, we were never like, mm-hmm. I don't remember in any high school, junior high, whatever, where they taught girls business. Yeah. Me neither. You know, they, they put us, they, they like showed us how to balance a checkbook, Yeah, <laughs> but they didn't, ba- they didn't show us, Hey, you know what? You can learn about stocks. You can learn about finances. You can learn about being a business person and not even businessman, business woman, business person. Mm-hmm. Like they don't teach you that until you're like graduating from high school and you're like, you know, I'm going to go to business school. And then who knows by that time you're like, business school is boring, <laughs> you know? And it's like, we, I can't turn it back now. So mm-hmm. yes, it was like, if I hadn't had that forced change, mm-hmm. I think actually, I know I'd probably be staying the same route as I was. I went to school for athletic training. And as much as I love athletic training, mm-hmm. it got to the point where it's, I, I use it. It's my education. But now how can I pivot it to my business and how can I pivot that knowledge that I've had to, to helping people Mm -hmm. to continue to help people. And it's funny because it's not, now it's not like me, like doing evaluate medical evaluations. Now it's like, how do you know those interactions with my athletes? Those are, were the lessons that I had about myself. And I was just like, gosh, darn it. You know, the world is tricky. Mm-hmm. And you can take lessons from any, any job that you've had and turn it into the life you love, like you have. Yes. So, I mean, you are totally a beacon of bravery to me. <laughs> so we know kind of where you pivoted, what you do now and around, especially women's strength, but let's go back a little bit more to your childhood, if you don't mind. Yeah. And were you raised in the Chicago area or? So I'm an immigrant. Okay. I was born in the Philippines, Uh moved to the States when I was five. So that was like in the eighties, 
maybe like late eighties mm -hmm. and, um, moved to the States when I was five. So getting pulled away from my comfort zone of the Philippines of being a free spirit running around, whatever, to moving to Chicago and then being the Asian girl growing up in America. Yeah. Though those two, those two concepts gave me the biggest identity crisis okay. I've ever. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't realize that until, until going through my journey now as an adult, mm -hmm. how those two, um, um, like cultures clash, right. but being an Asian woman in America, don't, don't ruffle any feathers. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't talk so much. Um, you know, you should be small. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, it's like, why, why are you, you know, why are you causing so much noise? Why, why do you want to be a power lifter? You're all those questions as an Asian woman in America, mm -hmm. you know, we, we learned we, I was programmed to not say much, you know, and yes, I, I've gotten the stereotype of, Hey, aren't you supposed to be a nurse? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> aren't you supposed to be in like the medical field? And, um, you know, growing up, that was always, I mean, I come from a medical family and it was okay. almost like expected. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't do it, it's almost like, then the test is like, oh, well, you're not a nurse. Okay. Well, we'll accept you. We'll, ex we'll accept that you're an athletic trainer. That's fine. Close <laughs> enough. If close enough is your compromise. At least you're in the medical field, but you're not a doctor, you know? So, um, yeah, it was, it was the growing up where the identity, I couldn't, I didn't know what my identity was. I were you one of the only Asian people? Cause I know sh Chicago is pretty diverse, but were you, where you landed, were you one of the, the only Asian people in your school? That's the other thing. I don't know. Really? I don't know because I wasn't really allowed to go outside. Like I was, it was a very protective family and which is, which I'm so grateful for because if I wasn't, I'd probably be you know, on the hood of somebody's car getting smashed <laughs> up or something. But like, I, where I grew up, I don't remember if there were other, um, other Asian people. Mm -hmm. And when I went to school in Chicago, I mean, my name, the first time, first thing that we, you asked me, you're like, how do you say your name? Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. And my name is actually with the two A's. It's actually La Arnie. Mm. And trying to say that to, you know, first graders, yeah. it's like, oh my God, what's your name? What is it? <laughs> and then that was where it was like, um, uh, Sesame Street was really big, yeah. you know, and then Bert and Ernie. So I would get called Bert and Ernie all the time. Oh, so okay. it's like, okay, my first experience at an American school and I get made fun of because of my name. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's definitely one thing that's carried me through is like fighting for my name. Mm -hmm. I'm, this is the name that I was born with and I'm, I'm going to say it right. And eventually it morphed into Larney mm -hmm. to make it more, to roll off the tongue a little bit more. Right. And so now when I say Larney, people think I'm Hawaiian. <laughs> 
like no I'm Filipino and stuff and it, it's just that identity mm-hmm. um you know it, it put a lot of turmoil in me like in high school I was the angry depressed suicidal thought teenager yeah because I didn't know who I was mm-hmm. and it was, it was hard to find out who I was because I didn't look up to anybody. Well, and it sounds like your older sister, who you talked about, kind of took on that quiet role that was expected, but there was something in you that was like, no, there, there's more. And are you familiar with the Enneagram? Do you know, it's a, like a personality test. I was yes, going to ask you. The ENTJ. Or That's what you are? That's what I, that was the last thing I remember. Like that's I took the Myers-Briggs. Like, yeah. But I was just wondering, cause the difference between you and your sister, how you adapted is very interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I took that a long time ago and I think those were the four letters that I, that I, the used. E, the E is the extrovert for sure. So <laughs> what did your parents do for a living when they came from the Philippines to Chicago? So my mother actually went to business school in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. She, I, I didn't know this, but she actually went to school to be a secretary. Really? And I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> I, I guess I didn't, I guess like, I didn't see that as like, you know, like, oh, you get a, you get a degree in being a secretary. Uh-huh. I thought it was, so she, she actually went to school for that. So she found a job uh, here in downtown Chicago mm-hmm. and she was an executive assistant and she loved her job. She loved her job. My dad was a computer guy. Really? Always, yeah. So he actually started medical school, but didn't go all the way mm-hmm. because he didn't want to do it either. And so he, <laughs> so it ended up like he would do, um, he was in the computer field. So that's what he did until the day he died. He was just, you know, doing computer, working on computers and logistics. And so, um, you know, I guess, I guess breaking the mold of being in the medical field. Yeah. Started with my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how did you go from being that angsty teenager who, you know, was having those identity issues to being an athletic trainer? What's that transition from your high school days to early professional days? So it really started, I was already an adult when I figured out that I wanted to be around athletics and I really wanted to be around sports. And it's because I moved out the house. Mm-hmm. because I was able to make my own decisions because I was able to experience a lot of things that I didn't experience when I was younger. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I tried out for a, a dance team mm-hmm. and my dad came and picked me up. Really? Uh, and he was just like, you are not shaking your butt in front of everybody. <laughs> you and yes, yes. Again, I, I love the fact that my dad was very protective of me. Um, but it was like, so hard to find out who I was. Yeah. And that's that angst that like, um, you know, I, I don't know how many times I changed um, my interest in junior college. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I have a degree in hospitality management <laughs> and I did that. And I was like, Oh, I'm not doing this. No way. I, I, I was thinking about being like a, a personal trainer. I was like, no, I want to be a physical therapist. I'm like, no, it's like, I went through all these phases mm-hmm. of trying to figure out what I really liked. And until I want to say until I was in like my 19, 20 year old years, um, I was dating a guy who introduced me to the gym. 
Okay. And he introduced not not just like a small gym. I mean, it was like a, like a powerlifting gym. Mm-hmm. And I I loved lifting the weights, like really heavy weights. And um, he told me that I was lifting too much. I was I was outlifting him. <laughs> so he's like, "Can you not? You get you know? Can you not do that? You know? Shut yourself down um, again a little bit, <laughs> Larney. Come yes. on." <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I, it took me back to trying to people please. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm like, okay, so I didn't do that. You know, I, I started trying to be um, in a different, different side of fitness. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe I could be like a physique or whatever. But the I couldn't do it because I love food too much. <laughs> I loved eating. I didn't want to eat brown rice and chicken for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, for seven weeks straight. Like I can't do, I couldn't do it. I didn't have that discipline. Um, But it's like that, that being idea of an athlete, it was already in me from like my family, but they just didn't, they didn't nurture it. Mm -hmm. And so it was really up to me to nurture it. It was up to me to figure out, okay, what brings me joy? Yeah. And I, and I loved athletics. I loved athletics. I loved being around athletes. And um, even though I wasn't considered like a high school athlete or anything, you know, being an athletic trainer, just let me be part of it. Yeah. You were part of that crowd. Yes. Well, you're like the polar opposite of me that you like to lift weights because I hate lifting weights. (laughs) I know I need to, I'm in my upper forties. I know I need to, I'm a runner. That's all I want to do. Cardio, cardio, cardio. And I know I need to lift weights, but I hate it. So, I mean, I'm impressed by that, especially those heavy weights. That you lift. I mean, I, I tried, I thought I was a runner for a little bit too. Really? I, I, yeah, I ran every, I ran a race every Saturday and Sunday for like almost a whole year. Mm. And I never, I never ran a 5k under 45 minutes. Really? <laughs> But I am like you in that I like food. I'm, I'm always one of the bigger runners out there, but I was like, I judge how much I can eat by how much I've run. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) sick. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I love how you migrated into your interest um, along your path as is the theme of this show, were there any major obstacles and fears that we haven't already touched on that you had to like legit overcome to get to where you were in your athletic training career? And then now I know you've pivoted to your Mm -hmm. speaking author, all that. So you seem kind of fearless, but I mean, no, 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 no. There was a lot of fear and you know, it'll never go away. Fear, fear to me is one of those feelings that don't really go away, but you really um, have to understand yourself a lot to get through fear. And when, you know, if you had asked me this question, um, you know, if we were, if we, we knew each other, like maybe like 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, you would have seen the lost, no confidence, low self-worth, under, hmm. you know, whatever people said up to me about me was what I believed. I compared myself to everybody. Yeah. 
everybody. And compare, you know, there's that saying, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I compare myself. Like I, I ended up um, like going, why doesn't that guy like me? Does that guy not like me? Cause I'm not skinny enough. Mm-hmm. Um, or am I not pretty enough? It's because I'm not blonde. Is it because this, you know, it's all those, those self-limiting beliefs that I was start, I was like taking from all my environment, mm-hmm. like, and then planting them in my head mm-hmm. and thinking that what other people's opinions were the truth about me. Mm-hmm. And when I started to, to build the wall around me, that's when, um, I was like depressed and I, I didn't like myself and I, what happened is I couldn't see past that wall. I thought the wall was it. And really, um, you know, you sit, think of those retaining walls, you know, with those bricks, those bricks are not waterproof. So water can seep through wherever. And I was letting those negative thoughts seep through my wall and soak me even more. Mm-hmm. And then by, by the next time I was like, when I needed to change my mindset, when I broke the wall, broke out one brick and I saw what was on the other side, it was really someone pouring positivity on me and they really wanted to get to me, but I, I wasn't letting them in. Mm-hmm. It was my wall that instead of like trying to keep everybody out, I was preventing myself from going out. Mm-hmm. So really, it's like the positivity was there. I just wasn't letting it in. So once I did that, it was like, okay, what's this now? What's this now? Try this. And it was, it was like a lot of um, like mental anguish that I was going through. But once I broke through that, it was a lot of pressure came off me. Yeah. Was there that one person that was trying to bring you out that positive person or was it a, a group of things that happened? I, I would say it was a group of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was, I was around people that, especially once the particular person who, um, manipulate was like very manipulative and it was, it was, I, I let it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I own up, I own it. I let it happen because I wanted this person to like me mm-hmm. and the positivity started coming around when I would come home because I would be with my sister, mm-hmm. you know, I would be with people that, um, were like, you know, what, Larnie, you're doing such good things. Why aren't you, you know, you should be this or, um, get, get your support system better with people who have the same drive as you, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, if I wanted, if I wanted to be athletic, I had to like search it out. I also couldn't rely on other people to find it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, there's that saying where, you know what, you're, someone's not going to save you. It's up to you to save yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started diving into more of like other athletics. Like I have my blue belt in jujitsu, which I've not practiced blue belt jujitsu in <laughs> years, but it was a goal to get my blue belt in jujitsu. I ran the five Ks. I did the obstacle courses, but I made sure that I ended up doing things that would bring me joy. Mm-hmm. 
And unfortunately, I mean, it's, it, it did take a year of therapy mm-hmm. and I'm so glad I went to therapy. That was like the best, the best decision I've ever made because it, it gave me tools to find myself. Yeah. Well, and kind of what you're describing is, you know, there's that Jim Rohn quote, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And so you are surrounding yourself with people who are on the same path that you wanted to be on. And that's kind of my goal of this podcast. Maybe somebody listening has no positive person in their life right now. I want to bring people like you on the show to show them, yeah, there's a way and come follow me and just know that there is that brick that you can remove from your wall to see the other side. I love, I love your analogy of the brick wall. That was great. (laughs) It's really, I mean, I want people to know that, that they are valuable Mm. and that they should value themselves first because what happened with me is that I didn't value myself and wanted to make sure that person valued me more yeah. instead of me valuing myself. And once I learned that about myself and how I valued myself, it was easy for me to say no. It was easy for me to find, you know, to choose things like say, say I wanted to go running again today. Does that bring me joy? No, but I'll go lift some weights. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's always a choice. And really like, I want people to know that there are so many opportunities out there to try things. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if you like it, that's okay too. And that's why it's like, I I don't, I, I want, you know, people to know that they're, that they just have to try mm-hmm. or, or dabble in it or make an attempt. Like with powerlifting, you know, we call them attempts. We don't call them, oh, you you failed to lift or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You attempted it, but you didn't complete it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. So like, it's, it's almost that mindset of there's so much out there. The only way you're going to know if you like it or not is make a decision to, you know, to dabble in it, to try in it, right? Mm-hmm. And what you described about yourself in that uncertain time where you would only like yourself if somebody else liked you. I mean, I feel like that kind of goes into your mission, what you're doing now, but I feel women really struggle with that. Like our identity is based on how other people, or if we're not healthy, other people view us. Is that what kind of spawned what you're doing now, trying to empower women? So what happened to me, I was working at my company and I really felt that they needed to build women leaders. I I highly believe it. And in the company that I work with, it wasn't, I was kept getting put on the back burner Mm -hmm. whenever I asked about like, hey, you know, and then I got the reputation of being too, too aggressive. Too much. Too much, too aggressive. I was told that I was too intimidating for people to approach me mm-hmm. by people, my coworkers who I talk to all the time. And they're just like, no, we'd rather talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? And I understand, I was like, well, maybe, maybe tactfully, you know, maybe tactfully it was just not, you know, my words were a little harsh, <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but um, my purpose was still to help empower the women in my company. Mm-hmm. And we were a small company. There was maybe like five or six women. And all I was asking is like, hey, build us build us, you know, we are capable of doing a lot more things like build us. And I I was, I started, I started feeling that leadership role deep down, like firing up in me because it's, you know, I was getting tired of standing on the sidelines, watching everybody else do something. And I want to be there to help too. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I, I had to do something. So as I started this company, um, I, I, it was just, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's fine. But it was, um, I built this company because there were too many women that I knew who did not feel they were worthy of applying for a job Mm -hmm. or, oh, I don't, you know what? I don't think I could lift that five pound dumbbell. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I I have the qualifications for that. And when I was doing the research about like women's confidence, there was this one study that's, that said, if there is a job out there and it's a, you know, they don't say some, you know, anybody can apply. A man will apply for the job, even if he doesn't have any of the qualifications, he's going to apply anyway. Mm-hmm. But for us women, we'll see the job and we'll go, oh, you know, I, I don't think I'm trained for that. Or mm, I don't know if that's something that I, you know, like we talk ourselves out of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's that strength that needs to be put in us that says, you know, what? I'll just apply for it. What's the worst can happen? Right. We get a no. I mean, if the man's going to get a no, I may get a no. If the man's going to get a no, I might get a yes. Mm -hmm. And really it's, it's that, that driver in me where I feel like opportunity has to be taken if it's there and we can't be afraid to take the opportunity. So kind of with that passion you've just described, what's your vision for your future? And keeping that in mind, are there any fears that are still holding you back or, you know, that you have to overcome? Yes. So first of all, what's your mission for the future? So my mission for the future. Okay. So I have an initiative that I am launching. It's called the Women's Strength Initiative. And it builds, it, it gives the women access to, women, girls, access to what is strength. So strength to me, it encompasses leadership. It encompasses creativity, innovation, you know, like all that just goes under that strength because we have to have the opportunity. We have to give the opportunity for women, young women, girls to know that there is the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that women's strength initiative, it talks about that. It talks about, um, about health and fitness, you know, again, not everybody wants to lift weights, but what I have friends that do Zumba all the time. Mm-hmm. I have like friends who are Zumba coaches, I hit coaches, you know, it's like, if you don't know the opportunity is there, how are you supposed to try it? Mm-hmm. And so that women's strength initiative allows 
all these new opportunities to be out there. Like, I, I know a few women who want to write a book. And me, me. it's been on my vision board for, I don't, I'm not going to say how many years. <laughs> my, mine was on for 20 years. Yeah. So Same. I feel you. But it's like, you know, if that opportunity, if, if you don't know how to connect with somebody to do that or comfortable to talk to somebody about that, I want that women's strength initiative to know, to be like a resource, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, um, let me look on there and see who maybe I can connect with or send them a message. And that's build that community. Well, that all sounds awesome. And I'm so for all girls and women's confidence. In fact, you know, I saw, I don't know, it was on Instagram or Facebook, one of my friends who's a strong woman, which means successful saying, I'm so tired of apologizing for being confident, just confident because we know what terms confident women get called. Why do we have to be any different? Why do we have to be shoved down? You know, so I love what you're doing, Arnie. I love it. And we shouldn't have to apologize for our strength. So fears, anything, fears. big, big things that you have to hurdle here coming up. So like my big fears are, you know, so what if, what if people don't like me? Mm, yeah. That's always like in the back of my mind, what if people don't like me? And when I was writing my book, it was the first few paragraphs were crap. <laughs> they were like, I was, I was like, I was writing for the reader, because yeah, again, exactly. I was going back to my people pleasing days. So like when I was writing this chapter I, and I, I was like, you know, a thousand words in maybe a little more. I was like, this is not me. Mm -hmm. That's not been my me. issue too. And once I erased that all and wrote what was from my heart, then I was like, okay, all right, I'm good. This is good. This is what I want to say. This is my authentic self. And like, that's my biggest fear is like, I don't, and I don't want to end up questioning my integrity or questioning my authenticity to people. Like, you know, you and I have just met mm -hmm. and I want you to know that this is me. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is, this is me, the energy that I have, I want to pass on to you. Like I have enough energy and I have enough positivity in myself that I want to pass it on to you. Like everyone I that I meet it. around, <laughs> like everyone I meet, I want them to like leave my space and be like, I like it as a spark. Yes. And, and that's, and my fear is that like that one time I may, I may not be having a great day and then I lose it for just a, for a day or so. Yeah. You know, like. I fear, I, I fear that my imagination or my creativity might turn off one day. Yeah. And that would be like horrible because, you know, I, I as creative and I, I, I love all the ideas that run through my head. Like if, if I were to run out of ideas, I'd be like, oh my God, what's <laughs> next? What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> For sure. Well, so I think that's like my, one of my biggest fears is just losing the drive, losing the initiative. And that's very relatable. But what's the name of your book? It's called Standing in Strength. Nice. Inspirational Stories of Power Unleashed. 
And I'll put that in the show notes and it's available on. It, um, the ebook is still available for pre-order right now until tomorrow. And then the paperback is available on Saturday. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm saying that. So Saturday will be March 13th, 2021. Yeah. How yeah. exciting. Yeah. Like, you know, we said is like, you know, you want to write a book, write it, write well, I'm, it. I'm write two it. chapters in. <laughs> there you go. Write it. You know, like I, I, th- this book took 20 years. Like I told myself, like, I always wanted to be an, a published author, mm-hmm. but I wanted to publish something that meant something mm-hmm. that gave value to the world. And yes, it did take 20 years, but it's okay. And I didn't want to write a book just to write a book. Well, and I think that is such an inspiration because, I mean, I think if you ask the majority of the population, they'll say, there's a book in me, I want to get out. And again, like you said in the beginning, it's taking the steps, just the little steps. Don't get caught in your little island of, you know, doing nothing. Just take those steps. And then it could be like you and you hit publish. It's awesome. You know, it's fun. You know, we are multitaskers. Uh-huh. We are, oh, we, you know, us women, we, we love to multitask and I stopped multitasking mm-hmm. in the past like few years because I would lose my focus on something yep. because I wanted to, my mind was like, okay, what's going to be on this project. And I wasn't giving people my undivided attention. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, my lo- love language is time. And time is very important to be able to like sit and talk. And, you know, with COVID, we couldn't spend lots of like physical time together. But even when there was a virtual conversation, I made sure I like didn't, I turned off like notifications on my phone because I wanted to give mm-hmm. my time. And I think that's very important when it comes to that. Cause you know, multitasking, yes, you know, we can, we can multitask, but really like, are you just multitasking to stay busy or are you multitasking that has an intent? Mm-hmm. And you're not doing anything well when you're doing it. Your, yeah. your attention is scattered. And so, yeah. And then that's played a big part in just day-to-day interactions with people when you're talking to them and you're looking at their face and they take time to look down at their phone. It's like, okay, well, what I'm saying doesn't matter. Exactly. You know, so- Yes. What you're just saying is give your undivided attention. You, you'll be unique in this world if you do that. And it, yeah. it means a lot. And it, help, and it helps you listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. And then you're looking somewhere else. Right. I'm like, don't yeah, 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 me. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> I love it. I, I love how real you are. Uh, well, I, in, you know, in respect to your time, we're going to start to wind down, but I, I love everything you've talked about. And I really believe in your cause. And I'm going to let you give a final shout out at the end, but we've talked about you writing a book. Is there any other book that you've read in your life that you would highly recommend to the audience that has made yes. a difference to you? Oh my gosh. I'm going to, so someone actually gave this book to me and it's, I was like, oh, I'm not a reader but the book was a simple read, but the message was amazing. It's called The Go-Giver. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because I, I, the friend who, who gave it to me, 
I still thank him for that book. Yes. Because it's taught me that there is a circle. You give, you get, you give, you get. And um, it's like when you, when you break the circle, it feels undone. Mm -hmm. And so when I have conversations with just stranger, like even like this morning, I love to walk my dog and I talk to everybody that's around my neighborhood, even if they don't know me, you know, I say good morning to them and they always say good morning back. And I feel like there's my circle. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, I say, thank you. You're welcome. Yes. There's the circle. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. Those, the power of acknowledgement and that book, the go-giver, it, it helps, it helped me like acknowledge that. Um, because I was like one of those people who couldn't take a compliment for a long time. Yeah. And now when somebody's like, Oh my gosh, Larnie, you did so good. I go, thank you. (laughs) I received that. Yes. I will take that. Thank you. (laughs) Or, um, like I have my teammates who, um, you know, if I have a good lift and they're just like, Oh my God, you're so strong. I go, I know. Thank you. You know, and it's not me being cocky. It's me acknowledging that I did something cool Mm -hmm. and somebody else is acknowledging me. Yeah. So why break that circle? You know, and it's, and it doesn't mean that I'm obligated to say something back what I say back is a thank you. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I'm a quote fanatic. So I'm really excited to see if you have a quote that you live by, that you read, that you memorize time and time again. And if so, what is it? So it's like, I love quotes too, Mm -hmm. but I have always wanted to have my own quote. Yes. So I actually have two. Okay. My first one is some is uh, when I went through like just a little bit of like lost feeling, but then when I found myself, it was a breakthrough, and it's and it is cry in strength instead of struggle. Say it again. Cry in strength instead of struggle. I love that. And so that means to me, we all have our struggles. We're all struggling through something, but when we get over the obstacle, when we finally find, find either the truth about ourselves, we don't cry in sorrow. We cry in strength, like, yes. Oh yes. I love that. Or it's almost like, yeah, you got this. And that's that. I mean, that's a lesson through powerlifting for me Mm -hmm. because lifting is it's, you see the weight and it's in your head and then you do it and you're like, yes, but you, did you struggle through trying to get that off you? Yes. So there is this, that, that is one of the quotes that I like came up with because it, it it's, it resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And then my other quote is, is something that is built upon, um, my cultural standards and living other people's lives and not my own. So outperform and outgrow the standard put upon you. Nice. And and that's because for years and years and years, whose standard was I living for other people? Mm -hmm. And then when I was looking for my own personal joy, I was looking for it with other people. And then once I outgrew that 
and saw how I performed in life because I was people pleasing, it wasn't me. So I outgrew that. And now I'm here, you know, doing what I'm doing and living my best life pretty much. <laughs> I love it. And hopefully your quotes will go viral on Instagram. I know I'll post them. So, <laughs> so is there anybody you follow either via a podcast or social media just that inspires you for any, so I'll, I, I will, I will, I will say this one podcast that, um, before like, I was like, what is a podcast you guys? You know, I know that's, that's how great I'm like, what's podcast. And it's called the future is female powerlifting with Heidi Donnell. And, um, she was like the first thing I was just like, she was the first podcast I listened to religiously and it focuses on women's strength and how, you know, like, what have you learned through powerlifting? And that really kind of drove me into the sport a little bit because I was like, it's so cool. Like these women are doing this and they're learning this and, and they're living this and their story. And I, I still listen to her podcast every day. And, um, it's, uh, it's a, such a cool podcast to mm-hmm. me. Because it really like I what I see in my what I put on my Facebook page on my Facebook news feed my Instagram feed it's all strong women yeah and it's not just like physically strong like they talk about their failures they talk about like what's going on with them and I feel like that strength is like strength is just is not just physical right it's how are you showing up in your life mm-hmm. you know and how are you handling the haters? How are you handling the judgment? How are you? And these ladies are just like, I'm going to keep posting mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. And I love that. <laughs> well, and I, one of my previous guests says she's kind of just gotten started in podcasting and she's like, I haven't really had any haters yet, but I'm looking forward to them. Cause that <laughs> means they know, I mean, I've, had an opinion, you know, I'm just not so bland that no one can really say anything about, you know, so being willing to take a stand. I love that. And right now with women, um, you know, it's women international, it's women's history month. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, happens to be that my book is coming out for this month. It's like, I didn't do it specifically for that. I, I did this because I wanted to add value to the world, the Mm -hmm. collective you know, women empowering women. That's really um, like my big goal in life is to make sure that there's no woman left behind. Yeah. Well, as we come to the very end and you've dropped so many pearls of wisdom and just inspiration to the audience, but I want to give you just the floor to be able to say anything left on your heart that you want to inspire the audience with And then also how they can connect with you and in all the ways, because I know you do a lot of speaking and all that. So the floor is yours to take us away. All right. Well, thank you. There's just so much. There's so much I could, I could talk about stuff all day, but one thing I know in a world of chaos, there's always a time where we have to take a pause. And we either take a pause to look inside ourselves to know, like, am I doing the right thing? 
Am I doing, am, am I providing value to someone? Am I living my purpose? So I, I, I urge people to take times, take a time for more, M-O-R-E, moments of reflection every day, whether it's 30 seconds or like five minutes, you know, do it multiple times if you have to, but that time of reflection gives you that self-awareness of what you're doing. And it kind of forces you to stop. Just take a pause. Look what's around you. What are you smelling? What are you seeing? What are you touching? What are you hearing? Like use your senses to know is it what kind of energy is, is in your life? Mm-hmm. What, what energy, what, what circle are you in? And having those times of reflection allows you to decide left or right, yes or no. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there, if there's a time where you're feeling that lost, you're going way too fast and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Just stop, take that time to reflect what you're doing. And then it brings a little bit of clarity in what you need to decide. Love that more. We'll remember. And I'll put that listed out in the show notes, just how you said that, (laughs) because I'm going to reflect on that because I noticed that when I take that time in the morning, when my first move isn't to my phone to check social media, Mm -hmm. my life is a whole lot better. When you reflect, center yourself before you get caught up in everyone else's agenda for your life. Yes. I used to tell my athletes when I was in, I had my own training room. I said, you know, they would come in like, ah, I had this day, whatever. And I would say, stop, give me three positive things that's happened in your day so far. Mm -hmm. And then they're just like, what? Mm -hmm. I'm like, Go ahead, don't, just say it. Just think, don't, don't even overthink it. Just say it. And they're like, well, you know, it was sunny outside. I got to wear my coolest shirt. I got, you know, and I was like, doesn't that make you feel better? <laughs> yep. How can the audience connect with you? So they can, con- I'm very active on Instagram. So I'm at Larny Mulvey. Um, I am on Facebook as well. Uh, pretty active. It's a, uh, <sighs> I've been trying to change my name on Facebook to Larney Mulvey, but it keeps going back to Larney Eliza. So it's my middle name, Larney Eliza, E-L-I-Z-A. If you guys want to find me on there, that's that's where um, I'm connected. But also LarneyMulvey.com. It's the, my that's my landing page. Right now, don't mind. It looks like a hot mess, but the contact buttons work. <laughs> nice. But yeah, that's where um, like we're all the book stuff. Uh, like oh, the book stuff, the standing and strength book, you know, there'll be links to order on Amazon on there for Saturday, but um, mainly if you just find me at Larnie Mulvey, you can catch me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Larnie. <clears throat> You've been just so fun to get to know, and I love your energy. It is infectious and I feel better after having talked to you and I'm sure the audience will feel better after. Thank you. That's, that's you, that you've made my night. You've made my night. That's exactly what I want to make sure that my energy flows to you. So you, it flows to somebody else. I call it the positivity forest. I'm building my positivity forest all over the place. So (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to hopefully keeping up our, our friendship, our new friendship, and uh, maybe coming back for your next book, right? (laughs) 
Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was a blast. I'm so glad that, um, yes, again, I have now a new virtual friend. Yes. So. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, we'll talk soon, hopefully. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.